Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second edition of Draft Site's Podcast. Here we are today with uh, your host, Jared Belson, and your very own Zach Gutierrez. Zach, you want to say hello? Nice enunciation on my last name. Not a lot of people get that right, so kudos, Jared. So let's talk, man. Let's, uh, glad to have you on. Um, last week we had DJ Boyer on. We talked Fierce Party. We talked Heisman. We talked Mock Draft. We talked Power Rankings. With you, we're going to talk a little bit of the same and a little bit more. So let's get at it. Uh, give me your... First thoughts on this weekend in college football. All right. Well, uh, full disclosure, I've been a lifelong Buckeye fan, so I'd like to start with that game. I was really, really pleasantly surprised about Ohio State played in East Lansing, especially considering last year they had their hearts ripped out, their hearts and dreams ripped out in the Big Ten Championship on a neutral field. So I thought a trip to East Lansing might pose a little bit more of an issue than it did, but I was very excited to see how JT Barrett played. It's going to be very interesting next year. I don't want to go off on an Ohio State tangent because I love him so much, but it'll be interesting next year if JT Barrett keeps playing the way he's playing and Braxton Miller comes back, what they're going to do with JT Barrett. Because at the end of the year, there's you got to consider JT Barrett for the Heisman. If you look at his stats, if you look what he's done, his only loss was Zachary when he came in. Yeah. When we look at the Heisman, you know, you look at DJ's uh, Heisman watch that he posted um, earlier today, he's got some big-time quarterbacks there. Marcus Mariota, number one. Dak Prescott, number two. Trevon Boykin for TCU at number five. Winston, seven. Golson, eight. Cato, nine. I don't All right, see... Well, uh, uh, let, me, let me just rip let me just rip some of these guys apart real quick. I love Cato in our top ten QBs preseason. Uh, DJ didn't even have Cato in there. I mean, I love Cato. I love Cato, but he plays on Marshall. No matter what, if he goes undefeated, anybody could have gone undefeated in that schedule. A good high school team could have gone undefeated in that schedule. Ever Golston kind of uh, showed, uh, I don't want to say his true colors, but, you know, that he's definitely a pretty sloppy player against Arizona State. He's got two losses. You can't vote him over Jameis Winston. People are tired of Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston won it last year. He had a worse year this year than last year, so you can pretty much count him out. It comes down to Boykin and Mariota. I, I don't see Prescott staying. I don't see. I love Prescott, and I think he he's a great quarterback for maybe the best team. But let's see. He's got to play Alabama. He's got to play Ole Miss. And uh, I just haven't been blown away by him recently. Like he's a, he's an excellent, exceptional quarterback. But if he's not on an undefeated Mississippi State team, you can't say he's better than Mariota. Statistically, he's definitely not better than Barrett or Boykin. The reason why Prescott's number one for a lot of people, I remember early in the year, before anybody knew who Prescott was, I said Prescott was going to win the Heisman. But uh, that's because I just I forecasted Mississippi State having a good team. And if they don't go undefeated, I don't think he's got the numbers to blow people away. He doesn't even have, like, the Cam Newton numbers, the Vince Young numbers. He's got good numbers. He's an efficient quarterback. but He has 779 rushing yeah, yards like, and 11, yeah, like 11, 11 rushing touchdowns. He's on the best team. But look, let's look at people that have won the Heisman Trophy in the past. Tim Tebow ran for 23 rushing touchdowns. And you have Vince Young. You have Cam Newton. Look at their stats. For And, and Vince Young and Cam Newton were on national, undefeated national championship team. So you, if he doesn't go undefeated, I'm saying if he loses to Alabama or Alabama and Ole Miss, which is plausible, 
he's 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 not a real Heisman candidate. You got to put Boinkin over him. In fact, I'd even put even though he got hurt earlier in the year, Petty over him. He's got twenty-one touchdowns. His numbers actually aren't that fantastic compared to last year. If you would have told me over/unders on Bryce Petty's numbers, and you would have shown me where he is at statistically right now, I'd say he would be over on all of them. But he got hurt. He only threw for one touchdown this week against Oklahoma. But if you watch Baylor, they're rolling. They look good. They beat TCU. They steamrolled Oklahoma. But let me just touch on JT Barrett. Okay, can I know I'll drop it after this because I'm a Buckeye fan. And uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Watch the Michigan State game and watch Mariota play and watch JT Barrett play. And Mariota played in Oregon, where it's very easy for Mariota to play. And watch JT Barrett play on the road. And tell me if you can see any difference. Barrett accounted for five touchdowns. I mean, he he's had one bad game this year. He had the game-winning touchdown against Penn State. He's, he's shown up in close games. I know he's a Richard freshman, but I'm, I'm just saying I would – I say it's not impossible for him to get invited to New York. I'm not saying win it. Okay. Or invited to work with so, the So who would, who would you start next year? Braxton comes back healthy, Barrett's there again. Who do you start? you gotta, you got to start Braxton. And they have the type of offense where they really just need a point guard to, to spread the ball around on bubble screens and uh, occasionally taking a shot downfield. When you have Braxton Miller – Laterally, he's he's the most explosive player in college football. Okay. But, yeah, you got to start Braxton. They've committed to Braxton, and he'll be a fifth-year senior. He'll be a man. There's no reason for Braxton Miller to be playing as a redshirt senior at Ohio State. He should have been long gone, graduated onto the NFL. He'll be a man amongst boys next year, so you got to go with Braxton. Well, let's talk about the NFL real quick. I mean, all these quarterbacks you mentioned, Mariota, Prescott, Barrett, uh, Braxton Miller, Bryce Petty. I mean, uh, how do you see these guys as NFL prospects? I mean, everybody likes Mariota. What's not to like about Mariota? He's fast. He makes excellent decisions, and that's something that a lot of people don't really harp on when they're talking about Mariota, and they should because as a decision maker, he's the best. But I got to go, and uh, I'm really not going out on a limb here. But he, I mean, he's the total package, other than the fact that he's probably the least mature player in the history of college football. you got to go with Jameis Winston. Big, smart, incredible football knowledge. And excellent anticipation, a passion for the game. And uh, I say uh, he's a slam dunk as an NFL prospect if he can uh, get his act together. Not even off the field. He's not even that bad. He just needs to, to mature a little bit. And I mean, it's tough to bet your, bet your franchise on somebody with a personality like him, but when you when you watch tape, when you watch the Louisville game from this year, when when they're losing twenty one nothing, when you watch the Notre Dame game, the last drive in the Notre game, Notre Dame game, when you watch the last drive of the Auburn game, he's got everything. He makes excellent decisions. He's got a strong arm. He's a physical specimen. Now you have to ask, but with all the suspensions that have been going on in the NFL, any of these cases that are going on, teams you would think are going to take a second look at any of these prospects. Yeah, yeah, but you got to keep in mind that that, that that they're young kids. Mark Sanchez got in trouble for sexual assault when he was younger. Uh, look at Cam Newton stealing laptops when he was younger. Like, they're kids. They're kids. They made, I made bad decisions when I was their age, too. And uh, the thing is, I don't consider myself a bad person anyway, and I don't consider myself, like, incapable of being a productive member of society. But if you were to look back, if I had a magnifying glass on me when I was a freshman and sophomore in high school, I mean, I mean in college, you would, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the public would hate me, too. If you were to look at like some of the, the things that I put on Facebook or some of the things that I said in the, in the student center, you would think that I was a horrible, horrible punk person. In actuality, I, I was a young, immature person, and lucky for me, there wasn't a uh, spotlight on me at all times. People weren't videotaping everything that I 
every action that I did, everything that I said. You're still debating football. You're still. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. I am. But you know, I, I think I, I'd like to think that I'm uh, an echelon above Ray Rice. Speaking on the on the Heisman team, I mean, we just talked about quarterbacks and, and some of the best prospects there. But what about uh, what about some of the running backs? I mean, we got Melvin Gordon, we got Abdullah, um, Todd Gurley. You got Todd Gurley. Maybe. Well, I am uh, really excited with the running back class. You know, looking. Looking forward to the NFL draft because, you know, the last two years there hasn't been a running back draft, which is just crazy. And I understand that it's a two running back league, but there's, this is, this is the draft that's got to end that, uh, end that spell. When you have somebody like Todd Gurley, especially Todd Gurley, who didn't play a lot of the season, and people are going to be like, oh, we didn't play a lot of the season. Oh, Robert Quinn didn't play his last season. AJ Green didn't play the majority of his senior season. Des Bryant didn't play the majority of his senior season. This is a benefit. Marvin Austin. Granted, he didn't really work out in the NFL, but he was a second-round pick, didn't play his senior season. So it's, uh, it's, it's almost a benefit in terms of wear and tear. Also, that Todd Gurley didn't play as much as he should have last year. Uh, so i got to say, you got to take Todd Gurley in the first round. Melvin Gordon is an NFL player playing college football right now. That's another guy that should be definitely considered in the first round. I'm not sure about Abdul. I love Abdul as much as the next guy, but he's uh, I see him like as like a Giovanni Bernard second-round pick. Well, let's talk about Melvin Gordon for a second. I mean, you know, every year there's a Wisconsin running back that puts up insane numbers. Uh, I get Monte Ball, James White, P.J. Uh, PJ Hill. I mean, all these guys. How does Melvin Gordon differ? I mean, how do you convince an NFL GM that he's a different type of running back than Ron Payne? I guess you can make an argument that Melvin Gordon's like a, a system player, but in actuality, he's done well under two systems. He's played for two different head coaches. And one of my least favorite arguments in the history of the NFL draft is like, oh, how do you know he's not a, a product of the system? If anything, look at the Baltimore Ravens. They're like, oh, how do you know the linebackers they have aren't the product of Alabama's system? It doesn't matter if they're – Alabama always puts out good linebackers. So it's not, it's not saying that, oh, because they all come from Alabama and they have the best facilities and they're coached by the best coaches – that, that's a disadvantage. You know, maybe they, their ceiling is already been met, but you, you know what you're getting. You're getting a top recruit. Wisconsin recruits the top running backs. So, I mean, I, I don't think that's – and I'm saying when you when you look at the tape, when you watch Melvin play, he shouldn't be playing college football. He – I would almost put him above Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is a full football player. Might be better, but in just terms of explosion and decision-making – with a, with running, you know, just the, his vision overall, I'd say Melvin Gordon might be the best running back. Well, I think next week we're going to have a little debate with uh, DJ Boyer and see what he thinks. But how about wide receivers? Who are your top guys? I mean, you got to obviously throw in Cooper. To me, Cooper, and I'm feeling Mike make this reference. He reminds me a lot of uh, Reggie Wayne when Reggie Wayne was at Miami. You know, good hands, excellent route runner. Just overly polished at the college level. Rashad Green of Florida State. Yeah, Rashad Green's incredibly good too. Gregor outrunner, but both those guys I see having a ceiling. The best case scenario, like, like a Reggie Wayne type receiver, it's really really tough to forecast who's going to be a great receiver unless it's somebody like Calvin Johnson. Because uh, uh, there's just some, you got to have a good quarterback. You can take anybody and you can put them with Brady, with Breeze, with Aaron Rodgers. They're gonna they're going to be a solid receiver. If you would have said that Jordy Nelson would be as good as he a second-round pick, Randall Cobb is going to be as good as a second-round second round pick, Donald Driver, 
I mean, look at the people that uh, Drew Brees made look good. Marquise Colston, Joe Horn. Same with Brady. Julian Edelman. So it's really, you gotta have, you gotta have, you gotta be drafted by a team with a good quarterback, and that makes all the difference. Top of our board right now is, uh, Jalen Strong from Arizona State. He's six foot three, wide receiver, 200 pounds. How do you feel about him? Oh, he's very, he's excellent. He's excellent. And, uh, he definitely has, and the reason why I like DJ Hasm, DJ Hasm there above, above Cooper is because he's definitely got a higher ceiling than Cooper. I mean, Cooper's excellent, and there's, there's not one flaw in this game, but I just, there wasn't a flaw in, like, Marquise Lee's game either. I know he doesn't come out until next year, but when, uh, when he's healthy, assuming he gets healthy, I mean, Laquan Treadwell is a beast. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. Oh, the Ole Miss receiver. There's a few guys on Mississippi State that are, that are big, and uh, Tony Lippett from Michigan State, definitely uh, an NFL receiver. I like having Strong as our top receiver you know, on draft side. I think that's uh, a little bit different than other people, and uh, if you throw him the tape Strong and you put it, you put it next to somebody like, like Cooper, you can see there's definitely a little difference in explosion. There'd be through vertical leap or just, you know, straight line speed. Right. And if you saw Jalen Strong's catch against Notre Dame, you'd be pretty convinced too. So, um, yeah, one catch, uh, one catch. I mean, Kelly's a pretty good quarterback, but like I said, it all depends on who, who gets drafted. That's why everyone loves Brandon Cooks right now, because Brandon Cooks was an excellent receiver drafted by a team with an excellent quarterback. That's why I like Devontae uh, you know, Adams more than Marquis Lee, because, you know, good quarterback. Well, time will tell with that. I mean, I think a lot of the players that you reference, you know, like Randall Cobb and Jordan Nelson, those guys did have great college careers. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great wide receivers that come out uh, of the college ranks who get overlooked because they're in small schools. and um, you know, Or they don't have a quarterback. Or they don't have a quarterback. Or they just exactly. misbehave, like Josh Gordon. Yeah, exactly. And then you, you put them in the right system. But then you get great guys, as you saw, and, and you put them in the wrong system, and they're just never going to produce um, because they don't have yeah, the ball yeah. thrown I mean, to them. There's a few guys, that, no matter where you put them, but produce. Like, I was about as high on Odell Beckham as you could possibly be. And, I mean, Watch Odell Beckham play. He is no joke. AJ Green was was my guy of the decade. You know, I knew wherever wherever he went, he was going to be good. And he's he's made Andy Dalton a lot of money. Let's talk teams now. A lot of teams that have disappointed this year. Uh, your arch nemesis, Michigan Wolverines. We should be checking the newspaper and uh, Monster dot com for some job openings. And you know, well, well, Brady uh, Hope's gone. I mean, that's as good as done. Uh, I, if two weeks ago, I would have said, must chance gone. I would have said for sure. But, you know, if he can, if he can turn it around, which he has, I mean, they, they stomped Georgia. They beat Vanderbilt. If they can somehow beat Florida State and win out, then I say you got to keep him another year. It's never good to, uh, to get rid of a coach. So Florida's one to keep an eye on. I'm really interested to see if, if I know Al Golden's a great coach, to see if Miami is going to, uh, keep them for the next year, so that that should be interesting, too, but those are the three incredibly large programs that uh, could be looking for a new coach next year, and that always excites me, because I always love thinking hypotheticals, who should coach where. Who do you, who do you replace those guys with? I mean, who are the top candidates for uh, those kind of jobs? It's really tough to tell what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. Watch his press conference after the Saints game. He was like he wasn't making sense. He just uh, maybe he's like emotionally spent. I'm not sure if there's been rumors that the players don't like him that he he might move on to Miami. That Stephen Ross is courting him in Miami. Maybe he goes back to Michigan, his alma mater, where people thought he was going to go uh, last time. He you know he left his post at Stanford. But I he's the whole wild card to me. So uh, I think uh, everything 
that his decision affects everybody's decision. So say that the 49ers, you know, go 9-7 and this year, don't make the playoffs. And in an NFC where a 9-17 team probably won't make the playoffs and Kaepernick hasn't advanced, people are mad that he's not running the ball. And uh, he doesn't take the Miami job. Maybe he realizes that he wants to be a college, court, a college coach and then he goes to Michigan. But uh, assuming that doesn't happen, maybe maybe Mark D'Antonio leaves Michigan State, although I feel like he's kind of grown attached to Michigan State. Other than that, I, I really don't know. I always I think Michigan should go after the type of coach that they do well with. And that was like a Lloyd Carr pro-style-like coach, where they can go after the top pro-style players in the country. And I think what a lot of people are noticing, that a lot of NFL coaches that haven't had the most success are doing well, college, like Jim Mora, for example. So maybe they bring in somebody with uh, with an NFL background, like a Pete Carroll, somebody that uh, – not Pete Carroll, I'm saying, yeah. but, you know, when Pete Carroll was a coach of the Patriots, like like somebody that's right. young and energetic and wants to lead young men, well, exactly like Jim Mora. Maybe maybe Michigan goes, even though he's fallen out of grace with everybody, it's like somebody like Greg Schiano. That's definitely a possibility. How about that coach uh, who is the Tampa Bay Bucks, Raheem Morris? So Raheem Morris – I feel like yeah. Raheem Morris is an NFL guy. He's an energetic guy. He, you know, he's young. He's got energy. College, college ranks. Yeah, but you got to really. you got to really want to be involved with the culture of the team because you're not dealing with professionals here. And there's a lot of babysitting that goes on with being a college coach. So I mean, you got to. This is somebody that's never coached in college. So Jim Jim Harbaugh leaves. Um, what other coaches are are bound to uh, have to be? sitting on the curb next year, too. Let's talk to NFL now. All right, all right. In the NFL, we're going to go with... I mean, they can't fire Lovey Smith after one year. I love Lovey Smith. Uh, you got to think Mike Smith's gone. Uh, Gus Bradley's going to get one more year because, I mean, let's get serious. Poor Gus Bradley. They, they really don't have anybody. They're definitely showing improvement. Close loss to the Steelers. I mean, in London, it's tough to gauge a team by how they perform in London, but they are. Their front seven is as good as anybody's. Their, their red zone D, you know... You know, borderline, borderline elite. So they do want to, but when you want to, but when you, you can't move the ball at all. When you have Denard Robinson as your star offense, bad, bad. Uh, you got to. Uh, I mean, you can't. The coach can't take all the blame for that one. When you have a rookie quarterback under center, too, throwing literally three rookie receivers. Alan Hearns is the best one, probably. For the other guys, you knew Alan. You knew Alan Robinson was going to be. A yeah, but I, I know they're. I know they're good. I know they're good, and and there is future is, I don't want to say bright, but at least it's not dark. I mean, to okay. expect them to win more than four games this year would just be unrealistic. So I think another Bradley gets another year. Uh, you gotta you gotta worry about Mark Trestman. I like Mark Trestman. I like the story of Mark Trestman. I like everything about Mark Trestman. That's somebody that I don't know enough about. But that's somebody that I think would be a really really good coach in Michigan. Smart guy, very pro style, cerebral. I think he'd be a lock to get in the any of the top pro pro quarterbacks. So that's that's what Michigan needs. They, they haven't they haven't won since they had won consistently since they had Chad Henney under center. So that, that's what that's the that's the blueprint at Michigan pro-style Big Ten football. So I would love, I would love Tressman at Michigan as much as I hate Michigan. I think that'd be a great, great fit. I don't know. Tressman came from Canadian football league. He, you know, is in Chicago. It's not too far of a leap geographically to go to, uh, to Michigan. But, I, I mean, after last night, you got to say that Tressman might be gone. I mean, Lovey Smith was fired after a 10-6 and six season. I mean, it was, uh, it was the worst team. You've, you've mentioned Tampa Bay. You've mentioned Jacksonville. Raiders are fired their coach. So. And uh, Soprano, Soprano won't be the answer. I think what the Raiders need to do 
if they need to go get somebody that's having a little bit of a lull right now, right now in the college football game, get somebody that, that really knows his system and knows what players to plug in. I think they should bet the house and go get Kevin Sumlin. They should throw whatever it takes to get Kevin Sumlin. And that's who should, and I, and I, and I'm not 100% sure about this, but I heard from a pretty reliable source that the Eagles wanted someone over Chip Kelly. So you need somebody that's one of these elite college coaches that knows their system, that knows the players to put in it, like Pete Carroll, like Jim Harbaugh, like Chip Kelly. And uh, so I think that's what the Raiders need to do. They need to get somebody, because not only do they need a coach, they need someone to build the team. I mean, if they, just drafting, they've been, granted, like Al Davis was, Know, geriatric his last few years, you know, pulling the trigger on just hilarious. I think that Darius Hayward Bay was the top ten pick, but they need somebody that can not be like a coach GM, but can have a lot of say in who's drafted, like Pete Carroll, that has like a really good relationship with the GM. Because they they don't just need a good coach, you know, they're gonna Bill Walsh coach. You know, I mean, they need players badly. I don't All understand right. how a team with so many high draft picks could be so bad. Okay, so uh... bad decisions. How about on the other end of the power rankings? Who's 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 at the top for you right now? I mean, uh, you gotta go with the Patriots, and uh, it's a shame that that Ridley's out for the season because they would have been. I always thought that they they never paid Ridley much attention. They're way too confident with Tom Brady throwing in the red zone. But like, if you look at their defense on paper, it's crazy. And if you watch them play uh, Denver, you'll see that. I mean, they, they don't mess around. They got big. Big guys. I mean, you, people forget that they have Brandon Brown or Daryl Rivas. Patrick Chung's playing like he, he was a few years ago. I mean, their their defense is a force we reckon with. I know Chandler Jones only has like like five sacks, but I mean, watch him. He, he's as good as he's ever been. So I got to go with the Patriots number one. Okay. Uh, number two, if Carson Palmer's not hurt, Cardinals. He is hurt. So now where do you put him? I mean, they're not better than the Seahawks. I know some people are thinking the Seahawks will make the playoffs this year, but, I mean, the Seahawks are, I still think, if you were to do, like, a, like a Vegas-style power rankings and saying who would be favorite, I mean, the Seahawks playing at home would be favorite over any team in the NFL. So, I mean, I still think the Seahawks are better than them. I think the 49ers, if they can just run the ball, it's crazy how effective they are when they run the ball. They're, they're showing the, the stats when Frank Gore runs for over 100 yards under the Harbaugh administration. Like, they're undefeated. It's crazy things. And they're like, they're maybe 30 and 1 when they run for over 151 yards. So, I mean, wow. if they can just stop outtaking themselves and run the ball with, with Frank Gore, who's getting old, but Carlos Hyde, who looked really excellent Sunday. I mean, I put them in the number one of the power rankings before the Denver game. Obviously, that was a big mistake, but that's a team that has a lot of talent, and, uh, and I'll never sleep on them, especially when Olmstead comes back and, uh, Navarro Bowman can get back. I mean, I'm not saying number two. I'd, I'd have to go number two. You still got to go with Denver. Uh, we all know Peyton Manning's not a big game quarterback, so that's going to limit them. You can say what you want about Peyton Manning. He's excellent. He's the greatest regular season quarterback of all time, but when he has to go to Foxborough, he's not that good. Against Tom Brady, he's not that good. In Super Bowls, he's not that good. But uh, after watching last night, I might have to say that uh, even though they're not even winning the division, you can put the Packers top three. I think there's a lot of a lot of Packers fans who will certainly agree with you there. So, 
Um, I think there's going to be a team. If you want to go look ahead and go Super Bowl, I think there's going to be a team out of the AFC that's surprised, like maybe, like maybe the Chiefs. Let's remember that the Chiefs barely lost to Denver in Denver without Jamal Charles. So, like a Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl one surprise. And the NFC is going to be the NFC is going to be the NFC playoff picture is going to be stacked with elite teams. And it's funny because the NFC South is such a joke, but they're still going to be represented by a quality team in the Saints. So uh, it's funny that the Saints. Uh, no, are still leading their division with their record. But the Falcons have three wins, and they're still in the division. So, that, I mean, that's hilarious. But uh, another team that I'd put in the top ten is the Chiefs that a lot of people might not be paying attention to, but they're they're really, really good. All right, and you probably had this, the Steelers there until uh, this weekend. I knew, I mean, like I said, full disclosure, I'm a big-time Steelers fan. I knew the Steelers played down to their competition. They barely beat Jacksonville. They lost to Tampa Bay at home. I, I didn't think they were going to lose to the Jets, but when people were – I was, I was going up against King Fantasy Football, who played Roethlisberger over Aaron Rodgers, because statistically the Jets' defense is so bad. But I knew in the Meadowlands that I thought it would be 2013 Steelers rather than 2013 Jets, and that game wasn't even as close as it looked because they had an 80-yard garbage touchdown. I mean, that was the worst game. I've watched every single Steelers game the last 10 years, and that's top five worst games they've ever played. See Antonio Brown fumble twice. Just some dense interception to open up the second half was just – it was one of the more pathetic passes I've seen him throw in a long time. But uh, right. I love their balance. I love their offensive line. But it's tough to see the Steelers competing with the teams like the Broncos and the Patriots. Teams normally have a hard time covering when Ike Taylor is out, when uh, Jarvis Jones is out for the year, when Troy Polamalu is healthy, but how healthy is he? When Ryan Chazier is not exactly healthy. I mean, losing Ike Taylor really hurts their chances. He, I, I, one pro player doesn't make a defense, but the Steelers always struggle against Brady. And the Steelers usually struggle against Manning, except when they can get pressure. And I don't see, like, you know, the, the guys that can get – other than Lawrence Timmons. I mean, their their linebacking unit is pretty underwhelming right now. Well, I, you know, I think you bring up some uh, some interesting points about some of these teams that you have at the top. And you're talking about all these players that are actually homegrown players. And that's, that's you know, what we've seen year over year is that the teams who draft well do well. So the – the Steelers, the Packers. They only really have five players on their roster right now that they didn't draft. That's they said on Monday night football, Sunday night football last night. So it's crazy. I mean, Ted Thompson has been magical with what he's been able to do with the Packers, the drafts that they put together. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That's why you gotta you gotta draft well. That's why teams like the Raiders are just complete garbage, and that's why teams like Miami, although they look good for a while. They're, they're way too much free free uh, free agent action to be you know an elite team when they're signing Brandon Albert and Mike Wallace, Brent Grimes like their entire team is comprised of free agents. You gotta you gotta have a, a front office that can draft. That's probably the most important thing in football. All right. Well, so hey, you're you're the new Raiders GM. Give me the blueprint. How do you uh, forget the coach for a second? How do you how do you build? Your all right, team? all right. I'm no lead car. I'm not going to draft. I'm literally not even going to touch skill position players. I'm going to do like the Steelers. You, you won't see me draft a receiver until the third round. No receivers in the first round. No receivers in the first round. I'm going. I'm building like a like a like a blueprint. Like as if like I'm almost at the Bills right now because I really like. Although you know they they don't have a quarterback. They they whiffed on EJ Manuel. And they drafted a receiver fourth overall last year, which obviously isn't what I'm trying to do with the blueprint. But they've got guys like Marcel Darius. And if you're going to bring somebody in through uh, free agency, it's going to be a pass rusher. But I'm going to start in the trenches because it's football. And uh, I'm going to to start with the offensive line and the defensive line. And uh, 
you might have, unless Winston's staring me in the face, I'm not even sure if I would take Mariota because I don't want to shove Mariota into that situation, especially when you have a serviceable young quarterback who, you know, you don't know about yet with Carr. But I'm, I'm going straight, like, like Scott Peel, a defensive line, offensive line. All right. So Leonard, Leonard, kind of Leonard Williams from USC seems like a great pick then for you. Doing what they did a few years ago when they had the third overall pick and they traded. I'm trading back as much as I can. I know even though with like, uh, you know, the rookie contract's not as crazy as they used to be. Yeah, I was, I would still trade back, try to get as many. If you look at the NFL draft, look how many good players are gotten in the second or third round. So I'm trying to accumulate as many second and third round picks as possible. Yeah, I mean, all, all teams ideally would, would love to trade back and get more picks at this point. All smart teams. No, uh, no, a lot, a lot of teams like the Falcons are a team that really loves Trading away picks to move up in the draft. They've done it twice with in the Dimitrov era, you know, with snagging Julio Jones. It, it makes sense because you have teams that are on the like on the edge of being excellent, excellent playoff caliber teams, and you could have somebody like if somebody this year jumped up and traded with the Bills. I know there was talk about that and getting Sammy Watkins or trading up with the Rams, like a, a middle of the pack team to get that elite player that. uh that could really push them the like the Falcons did with Julio Jones. It's just—it's really just the Patriots that do this. They get those second and third round picks. Like if you look at some of the previous drafts, it's crazy. It's second and third round picks. It seems like the Patriots are never picking in the first round. And then day two, they're you know the busiest team in the NFL. But I, I would try to do that. And if you can't do that, uh, you know Leonard Williams isn't bad. Um, I mean, I really hate what they did in this last off season. It was like a desperation move getting Maurice Jones, Drew, and Tuck, and Lamar Woodley. Like, that's going to – how many teams build – like we were talking earlier, how many teams build through free agency? So, I mean, that was just uh, amateur, incredibly amateur. Yeah. I mean, you can't hate the Khalil Mack draft choice or the Derek Carr draft choice at this point. The Jaguars kind of did it the first two years where they uh, where they really didn't – reach for skill position players. It's hard to say when they drafted a Bortles, and Mino as well as I know, because we've been talking about this for years. I don't think Bortles is good at all. I mean, I don't see much of a difference between Bortles and Chad Henney. Wow. Bold statement. I mean, uh, it's not a bold statement. I watch a lot of the Jaguars games, a, a significant amount of the Jaguars games, you know, because I got the Sunday ticket. And you can go back to the game against Cincinnati. And if you look at the box score, you're like, oh, rookie quarterback in Cincinnati. He played pretty well. Both of his touchdowns to Alan Hearn should have been intercepted. They were ducks, literally, literally ducks. And uh, since the preseason, he hasn't, he hasn't looked the least bit good. People like his attitude more and his moxie. And that's, that's. Yeah, you can like your attitude. People people like Cade McNown's attitude, you know. <laughs> attitude is. Uh, <laughs> is not the name of the game. He's like kind of, I don't know, he's just like a big, you know, goofball to me. All right, so, the, so you're the Jaguars GM. What do you do uh, What do you do next year in the draft? Well, you got you got to keep Bortles. you got to keep Bortles. I was shocked last year that I didn't think they should have drafted Mark Easley, and I've said this on, on draft set a bunch. I thought they should have gotten Jeremy Hill or Carlos Hyde because you got to be able to run the ball. I would get... Uh, you got to get a running back in there. I mean, Denard Robinson's a perfect spellback for somebody like Jeremy Hill or Carlos Hyde. Uh, you can let the pass catchers kind of figure themselves out, see see what's good. But really, everything that I do, if I take over a team like the Raiders or the Jaguars that are so far beneath all the teams in the NFL, is I'm incredibly patient. I'm trading back as much as I possibly can. Most of what I do is going to be in the trenches. And, uh, I mean, obviously I'm always looking for uh, those positions that kind of 
are more important, like like an excellent tackle or a, uh, a, a shutdown corner. But I'm not making too many sexy picks like Blake Bortles. And I know it's tough for a team like Jacksonville that really doesn't have any fans to uh, to, to pass on somebody like Bortles or Manziel, you know, when they need to electrify the fan base. But <laughs> electrifying the fan base doesn't do anything. I mean, look, let's just look at the Seahawks. Look at teams that draft like the Seahawks, the Chiefs. The Seahawks got James Carpenter in the first round. They traded out this year. They got Paul Richardson. You just got to – it's tough because i, I got to know who the coach is. I, if it's Gus Bradley, then I draft just like the Seahawks draft. And uh, you can't just go – I feel like a lot of these teams, like the Raiders and the Jaguars, are drafting as if it's like all oh, fan drafting, like to sell, literally sell tickets. But then go back and look at some of the Seahawks drafts. They're like, like when Bruce Irving was taken 15th overall, like people were scratching their heads. All right. But uh, yeah, and you really got to kill. People put way too much emphasis on the first round. You got to kill the later rounds of the drafts, where you get the Richard Shermans, where you get the Alfred Morrises. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a giant strength. Uh, both years they won the Super Bowl. Is that any any team that goes to the Super Bowl has proven year after year. <laughs> That's the seventh round picks and the fifth round picks will end up stepping up towards the end of the season as injuries pile up because every team is going to have injuries. It's the NFL. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and these gonna, are the guys yeah, who yeah. drive you through the playoffs, and that's what we've seen. Uh, that's that's what we've seen with the Seahawks. That's what we've seen with. Um, I mean, look at Cam Chancellor. We all, you know, we all knew he was a great player, but they still got him in the, in the mid rounds. Yeah, but and, what they do, what the Seahawks do, is that Cam Chancellor, the reason why Cam Chancellor was drafted as late as he was, is he doesn't really fit. He's not a fit, but what Belichick realizes, what Pete Carroll realizes, is it's a situational fit. Draft for that situational fit. Draft for that third and long. Draft that pass rusher for that NASCAR package where you have four, four people rushing the pack, the passer. Like somebody like Bruce Irvin. He's Bruce Irvin, top 15 over, uh, like a 15th overall pick when, uh, you know, he's not, he's going to be on the field maybe on third downs. But you got to draft for situations. And that's, and that's really what I would do. And it's tough to say, oh, who would you draft if you're the Raiders coach? Well, Tony Soprano's not coaching next year. So I, and you know, I, if I'm the GM, I'm worried about the coach first. I'm not even worried about the draft yet. I'm worried about whom I'm getting. I'm just worried about the coaching staff. Let me yeah, give my, my parting thought, my parting thought, which, which dawned upon me yesterday. How did LSU not win the national championship last year? They had Zach Mettenberger. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and Jeremy Hill. All starters in the NFL right now. Well, they lost a lot of guys on defense, though, the year before. Yeah, but uh, I know, I know. They always lose guys. <laughs> last year, last year, too. So, I mean, that's, I mean, offensively, you can't, there, was there a better team last year? And with Cam Cameron as the offense coordinator, that's like an NFL offense. So, I think they definitely underachieved last year. I was just thinking about that the other day. Like, that's a right, legitimately, yeah as good as a skill position situation as you can have. See, I, I just think that they under underestimated the impact that um, Kevin Minter had, a linebacker, guys like Sam Montgomery and Barkevius Mingo, who I don't even like. But, I mean, those those guys were, you know, those guys were big impact players. And then yeah. you had uh, Reed, Eric Reed. Eric Reed, Terrell Simon. I mean, these – Benny Logan, you know, these, that was yeah. – Solid defense. You lose all those guys. You're not I know, but I'm saying the offense. Play. The offense wasn't as, as prolific as it should have been last year. Well, that's last definitely year. true. Just crazy. I feel like they should have just been winging it all year. I mean, no, Mettenberger probably had the best passing stats of any LSU player in a long time, but they should have been like just 
when you watch Odell Beckham and you watch Landry play, I mean, they're, they're both of them are excellent, excellent players. But then again, you could say the same thing about Texas A&M with Mike Evans and Johnny Manziel. But I was just thinking about that the other day, how not a lot of people realize that all four of these guys who are starting, and apart from maybe Mettenberger, who's, you know, mediocre, as you probably would have guessed, uh, are, you know, playing well in the NFL. All right. Well, uh, thanks for having me, Jared. Zach, thanks for joining. And, uh... Everybody, enjoy your Monday night. Talk to you next week, Zach.